What should be first, peace or justice? I said in the announcement of this sermon that someone had argued with me that without justice, there could be no peace, and that I had replied that without peace, there could be no justice. I had given a lot of thought to both propositions. First, in the back of my mind, I had the impression that in fact, there can be peace without justice. What do you think? This is because for years, when I was growing up, there was so much peace in my life, living in the boarding school with the nuns, praying, being very, very saintly, praying for others and for myself, in spite of all the injustices that I witnessed when I was on vacation. The church had led me to believe that, there we, that we were in this valley of tears to suffer for the love of God, and after suffering, we will go directly, you know where, to heaven. The more suffering here, the more glory after life. The poorer and needier I could be, the more exalted later provided that I suffer in silence. This seemed like a good bargain and a real justice. Now I understand why even today there is a pervasive cultural trait among Latinos of suffering in silence, of being restrained, repressed, of holding back. In one word, a culture of endurance. This trait has a real name. It is called aguantar. Can you say that? Aguantar. It has some shades of being macho, a real macho, no one that has a strength. One has to have a strength to suffer without quejarse, without complain. I have observed this same attitude in some non-Latinos, of course. Some people don't want to make waves to claim what is righteously theirs, to get out of oppressive situations for fear of disturbing the peace, for fear of being alone, or for fear of being called troublemakers. How many times do we enable others in abusing their bodies or their minds and look the other way for fear of breaking the peace or losing the love of our, or affection of those who we are enabling? But is this real peace? Is peace based on fear, any kind of fear, a way to live? What about integrity and dignity? And what about justice? No, living like this is not peace, it's mere appeasement. It is pretending that things are fine even when we are at war in our souls. What then is real peace? A secular description of peace is the absence of armed conflict between nations or of civil disturbance or a state of security within a community provided by law or custom. This definition of peace is precisely one that can easily give us a false sense of well-being, even in the face of injustice, just like the peace I experienced when I was growing up where everybody knows their place and keep quiet, there is peace. Just like Sam King said, the powerful had always been willing to baptize the status quo and name it peace. And the impotent are regularly accused of being troublemakers 
when all they seek is justice. That is why I prefer the definition and rich meaning of the Hebrew word shalom that we like so much. We like that word a lot. And which is commonly translated as peace. According to the Dictionary of Religion and Philosophy, the old Hebrew custom still practiced by many Jews today of greeting each other saying shalom contains a theological core. Yahweh is the source of all peace, and shalom is therefore a divine gift, and to wish it upon anyone is to wish for the bestowal of that gift. Shalom entails communion with God, being at peace with God, and therefore authentic peace cannot be reached without righteousness and justice in your heart. For how can we be at peace in harmony with the holy, with the universe, with our fellow humans, with ourselves, without righteousness and justice? Before I answer that question, I want to share with you how my spirit feels these days and what are the causes of those feelings. Confession time. I feel besieged by an avalanche of distressing conditions affecting my personal environment, the environment in the Western world, and of course, the global context of our planet. These days when I listen to the news, to the talking heads, to the politicians and to some clergy even, my hope for peace and justice takes a dive. How can our nation trust the goodwill the good sense and, and humanity of those aspiring to govern after witnessing their behavior on the campaign trail? How can we ever hope to attain peace, liberty, and justice for all? How can I tend to all the demands myself and others impose on me? I bet many of you are feeling like this too. Well, there is good advice here from Thomas Merton who says, it is, it's more a warning than an advice. The rush and pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form, of innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb to violence. More than that, it is cooperation with violence. The frenzy of the activist neutralizes his work for peace. It destroys her own inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of his own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom which makes for work fruitful. In her introduction to her book, Claiming the Spirit Within, that is to be alive. I like those sounds. In her introduction to her book, Claiming the Spirit Within, the Reverend Marilyn Sewell, a Unitarian Universalist minister, describes one of the main sources of distress permeating life in our country. And I would say for the entire hemisphere, too. The values that shape America favor the exercise of power, often violent, competition, material wealth, 
pragmatism, linear thinking, and a view of the earth as raw material to be exploited for our needs. These, I believe, are still dominant values of our land, and they are values that are contrary to life and contrary to the health of the soul, she says. In his prophetic and fascinated book, Ethics for a Finite World, Herschel Elliott puts us face to face with the intimidating consequences of our devastation of the environment caused by both our unbridled consumerism and population growth. He says, as the population increases or as the environment becomes more stressed, conditions of scarcity force fundamental changes in rights and moral behavior. It gives moral theory an environmental foundation. We might not like all his proposed solutions to avoid the extermination of life in the planet, but unless we give thought and take intelligent action, we will perish. We need to get accustomed to the global thinking, to find ways to heal the damages caused on the environment, and to increasingly give up our human-centered morals in favor of ecologically-centered ones. We have heard this over and over. There are so many books written on the subject, but it's, it's really the hammering and hammering that finally is getting to me that this is serious. We need to pay attention. I need to pay attention. Now, back to the question, how can we be at peace, in harmony with the holy, with the universe, with our fellow humans, with ourselves, without righteousness and justice? Well, I maintain that to attain peace and justice, we need to acquire a certain quality of paramount importance. That certain quality is compassion. I trust that you are familiar with the Lao Tse's profoundly wise sequence that begins thus. If there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. And that ends, if there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. Do you remember that sequence? Yeah? It's in our hymnal. When I inserted justice and compassion in Lao Tse's sequence, I was delighted with the results. Let's see if you like it. If there is to be peace and justice in the world, there must be compassion in the nations. If there is to be peace and justice in the nations, there must be compassion in the cities. If there is to be peace and justice in the cities, there must be compassion between neighbors. If there is to be peace and justice between neighbors, there must be compassion in the home. And if there is to be peace and justice in the home, there must be compassion in the heart. Now, it is easy to see how this sequence, if applied conscientiously and with total awareness of what compassion means, can lead us to real peace and real justice. How does one attain compassion, though, that amazing human quality which moves us to have a sympathetic awareness of the neighbor's suffering, moving us in turn to want to alleviate or even end that suffering? I believe a first step could be empathy. Do you remember the popular Indian prayer, 
great spirit, grant that I may not criticize my neighbor until I have walked a mile in my neighbor's moccasins. You remember that one? Forgiveness is another essential element on the path to compassion. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power of forgive, to forgive is devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate, hate our enemies. And we can add, less prone to judge and to condemn others. Courage is also essential on the path to compassion. For it is not enough in most cases to sympathize and to abstain from judging. Action to alleviate the pain and suffering of the other, being present to the joys and sorrows might require effort, overcoming the feelings of inadequacy and of fear of perhaps interfering in the lives of others. But as we acquire compassion and make it our way of breathing and living, our activism becomes compassionate activism and therefore effective activism. Here I want to publicize, uh, to publicly recognize our Environmental Justice Task Force, one of our unsung groups that is bringing real change to our environment at First Parish. Are you aware that we had that beautiful group here, that task force? This task force strives to raise awareness to the human impact on the environment while acknowledging that this, that this most often and inequitably compels those with fewer resources to carry the major burdens of the destructive actions of others. The Environmental Justice Task Force regularly gives us urgent calls to reduce our consumption, to generate as little as possible waste, to recycle and to make a commitment as producers, investors, and consumers to live in an ecologically balanced and responsible matter, and manner. I recommend that we all read the First Parish Community Guide and feel proud of all we try to do, bringing, trying to do, bring peace and justice to our souls, our community, and our world. But please, don't stop at reading and feeling proud. Get involved, take action, and learn how to live in peace by working for justice with a compassionate mind and heart. This is the best antidote for feeling the blues, for feeling despair, for feeling low, like I sometimes am feeling. It is not easy to be human in these hard times, living with paradoxes, aspiring so high and often, often falling so short. And yet, it is an amazing privilege being human, witnessing how far we have come as a species in our understanding of the needs of our fellow humans and of our planet. Our spiritual and religious history is filled with courageous ancestors, some of whom they gave their lives for their convictions and their desire to improve the lot of, gener the lot of generations. Let us follow their examples. Let's be inspired by those that preceded us. The practice of our Unitarian Universalist principles will help us to become not just seekers and 
not just seekers of peace and justice, but effective and compassionate makers of peace and justice. We are called to be the dreamers and builders of a world more fair, a world where our, where our ecosystem, our mother Gaia, is understood, protected, and cherished. In our opening psalm, Come, come, whoever you are, ben, ben, qualer is ben, Rumi reminded us that ours is not caravan of despair, so come, again, come. Yes, let us come and be the beautiful human beings we are supposed to be, energized, luminous with grace, strengthening our resolve to continue with love and hope, walking the path of compassion to the end that our hearts and the hearts of all beings be filled with true peace and real justice. Amen and blessed be. So, like I like to do once in a while, today I have maybe five minutes or so, to ask you to share with us, if you feel like, in this dialoguing community, your impressions, your maybe a state of being, something related to what I just said. See if I had compassionate heart here. Linda. <clears throat> Lily, I like what you had to say about activism can be violent. Um, I'm thinking of the Occupy movement, which is striving to be nonviolent and mostly succeeding. And Van, John, Van Jones spoke there this fall, and he asked that the movement not be 99% versus 1%, but 99% for 100%. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of activism that I think you're calling for, and we all need to. Exactly. Compassion for all. We are all in this together. Somebody else? So what do you think? Should be justice first or peace? Hi. I'm, I'm just wondering, for people that don't seem to have empathy, I've got some people in my own family. Could you call them real? Um, people that don't have empathy. How, how do you engender some empathy in people that don't seem to ha have that characteristic? You know, what... Can you repeat? Is that a question? Yeah. Can you repeat? I, I couldn't hear. How do you engender empathy in folks who don't seem to have it? Well, <laughs> very difficult. But um, I remember when we had certain president that was leading us toward, and everybody in the world was claiming for peace, just like the children did this morning. And I was so angry, and I would, oh, forgive me, God, or... But I was so angry, and I would say so many bad things. And then one time I read in the internet somebody starting a campaign saying, by bashing this president, by sending insults and all of that, we are not contributing to peace in the world. Because if you remember, thoughts are electrical impulses or waves that travel. And by being compassionate, by sending good thoughts to whoever it is, to the world, and particularly to the person that is so offensive to us, we might, we might touch that heart. 
And it's better to touch it with some kindness, even if it's difficult at the beginning, than to send curses and bad will, because that affects negatively the world. So if all fails, let's just pray, send our thoughts. Just Buddhists do that at the end of every meditation, and I used to do that, you know. Let all beings be at peace. Let all beings be free. Let all beings be happy. Better that way than the other. Thank you for your question. Your question was, which comes first, peace or justice? And what I got out of your sharing today was compassion comes first. Exactly. And peace or justice will rise out of that. Exactly. Thank you. You got it. <laughs> I must be the counterpoint. Um, I ride a roller coaster between feeling desperate to do something and address these challenges, especially the ecological ones, and then feeling that the problem is so large and I am so small that nothing I do is effective. And I'm just describing how I you know, cycle through these two different moods about these things. Well, for that, my own way of dealing with that, uh, feeling so infinitesimally small, like nothing, and sometimes feeling so powerful. Oh my God, a human being, look at all this. Uh, so I, I had tried um, very much letting go of both. Um, who, who was who said, oh God, Sini Sagadarta said, love tells me that I am everything. Wisdom tell me, tells me that I am nothing. And between the two, my life flows. And this is so true. But in order to have some equanimity, some balance, what I do is I go to my center, to that sparkle of divinity that I believe we all carry. And I said, as long as I am with you and you are my strength, the rest is not important. Just do what you need to do. Do even the smallest thing that you can, even send a good thought to somebody or to the universe. And be happy with that, because sometimes it's the only thing we can do. And um, that is effective, too, because at least means that you are caring, that you are a human being that is compassionate for others. And as long as we unite in, in thought and in action, we have a lot of strength. So don't despair. Keep on checking. Hi. Yes, Don? Sorry. I have a microphone. I'm going to talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hi. I just wanted to say that your words uh, helped me a lot today, um, and I appreciate them. Um, it, um, your progression in particular and inserting compassion into that, um, that was something I could follow. And, Thank you um, so much. It made me um, think about dealing with children and people in your own home and bringing it back to that. And I had a difficult time getting to church on time and, and not losing my temper with my kids, but that's, you brought it to the point. You start with compassion right there and, and halt that anger perfect, and perfect. peace in the world. But, uh, and I haven't thought long and hard about it, but I think uh, if uh, we have that compassion and create that peace, justice will take care of itself. Exactly. Thank you so much. Last one here. 